This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hello, everyone. This is Ron Jaworski, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the eye test. Pay attention. Well, welcome to the first edition of this week's Eye Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. We are Hall of Fame voters, as you should know by now. Joined today, as we are each week, by our Hall of Fame producer, Mr. Ian Glendon. And soon, very soon, we're going to welcome another Hall of Fame voter. That's Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. But first, Ira, you saw that release last week from the Pro Football Hall of Fame that announced its honoring of nine deceased new members with telecasts on May 1st and May 4th. And I'm talking about new members, class of 2020, centennial class and the class of 2021. You like the idea? Were you surprised by it? What? Well, Clark, it's kind of unprecedented, you know, for those of us who have been on this panel for a long time. But you know what, Clark? The centennial class is unprecedented too. So we have to take it in that context I don't mind uh, a special honoring of, of the posthumous people. It's, it's unfortunate um, that these people didn't get uh, you know, this honor during their lifetime, Clark. It's unfortunate, but it happens. It happens. And you have told me that um, they won't be skipped over during the August ceremonies either. Um, but I think this is a way uh, to give them uh, uh, their special due and then uh, move on predominantly w- with the living uh, people that are going into the Hall of Fame for the class of 2021. Yeah, and I agree with you, Ira. Speaking of that centennial class, that special class to honor the 100th anniversary of the NFL, eight of those members, and there are 15 members in the centennial class, of which Ira Kaufman voted, but eight of those members are deceased. The only member of this video montage that they're going to present um, on TV who wasn't a member is Bill Nunn, who is the contributor candidate and the contributor finalist for the class of 2021. Yeah, I think it's a good idea too, and, and well-deserved because it's special, it's extraordinary. Um, secondly, uh, big stink going on about off-season voluntary workouts. Uh, numerous teams and players are saying they'll boycott them. I, I don't know what the Bucks are saying, but you can fill me at hour. But anyway, simple question. What's the big deal about skipping a voluntary workout? I mean, they're voluntary, right? <laughs> There's no question about it. Now, Clark, I will say this. Uh, in the uh, old glory days of the Bucks, the Brooks, Sapp, Barber, Lynch days, they showed up. They showed up. And if you didn't show up, Clark, and that was a big problem between Sapp and Keyshawn Johnson, because when, when uh, April and May rolled around, Johnson was still in L.A. doing business stuff, and Sapp was sweating, uh, you know, uh, on the fields of Tampa. And that caused a a, a problem between them. Um, but it's not like that now, Clark. So, look, you're right. The word is voluntary. And you shouldn't be looked down upon if you don't show up in a voluntary camp. So maybe this is much ado about nothing here. Yeah, and I think the unwritten rule, as you sort of alluded to there with the Sap Keyshawn Johnson problem, was that while they said it was voluntary, the unwritten rule was actually wasn't voluntary. They expected you there. And I know this, Ira Kaufman, I don't think you ever missed a voluntary workout, did you? 
I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I was there all the time, and uh, Seth would chew me off from the sidelines. What are you doing here, Kaufman? I'm not talking to you. I know you never missed a voluntary free lunch there, Ira. <laughs> okay, lastly, and this one hits close to home for both you guys. That would be Mr. Ian Glendon, Mr. Ira Kaufman, Tampa Bay running back LaShawn McCoy, who did play for the Bucks last season, said he thinks, quote, he's got a good shot at the Hall of Fame, unquote, after he said that Julian Edelman actually does not. Ira, what do you say? Clark, don't, don't you love it when, when these fringe guys talk themselves up? and try to make them put themselves on center stage. Look, I'm only speaking for myself. LaShawn McCoy, you ain't going to make it. You ain't make it. You know, why? you know why? He doesn't pass the eye test. Right. He doesn't pass the eye test. Good player, not a great player. How about it, Ian? Yeah, I, I got to agree with Ira. Um, <clears throat> I told you last week I, I'm not in the Julian Edelman to Hall of Fame you know, camp. But I, I think he has a far stronger case if you're going to compare just those two. So I, I, I think McCoy's doing a little self-promotion. And, hey, why not? You got to you gotta do what you got to do. And uh, I just don't agree with him. <laughs> yeah, he is doing a little self-promotion like we are when we mentioned the eye test for two here, as Ira just did. Good player. LaShawn McCoy, very good player. Could be in the Hall of Very Good. Not in the Hall of Fame. I agree with you on that. Okay. Uh, we've made Hall of Fame voter Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com wait long enough. Butchie? Get in here now. We want to talk about the Bengals and the Pro Football Hall of Fame with you. Now, first of all, thanks for joining us. And second, and most importantly, the Bengals yesterday revealed uniform changes. Their first in 17 years, I think. Butch, how do you like them? And what's your fit? I, I, are you wearing one of those uniforms right now? No, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a, hall, a hall of Fame voter uh, pullover. Oh. I, uh, I don't think I'm good enough to get into, the, uh, to get into one of those Bengal unis. But it was a, uh, I think the way they rolled it out was great. I mean, uh, great video, you know, uh, long, long past the days of the uh, uh, runway fashion show. They did a great job with a, with a video. I mean, I was there when they shot the video. It was like a, you know, it was like an MTV commercial. They had, a, 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 you know, eight cameras, four, four mm -hmm. still cameras, four video cameras, uh, brought back Chad Johnson uh, sitting on a throne, smoking cigars. You welcome to guys in it was really a great a great merging of the past and the of the past and present and uh but and ira knows this too is the uh the iconic bengals helmet is still there and it kind of for the first time i think the uniform really complements the this you know the striped helmet so uh paul brown still lives yeah well let's see hope that the team is as good as the uniforms this season <laughs> um so let's get to the team butchie you got the fifth pick of the draft. You're in a pretty good position there, the fifth pick of the draft. We said last week, and we believe this, Atlanta really controls the board at number four because we know the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. We don't know what the Falcons are going to do. So Bengals are in pretty good position, too, at the fifth spot. And the way I look at it, honestly, just guessing from afar, you got a choice of a star wide receiver, Jamar Chase, or a star offensive tackle, Panay Sewell. Um, where are they going to go, do you think? And what would you do if you were picking? Welcome to the daily battle, to the hourly battle that is being waged in Bengalton on Twitter, on Instagram, and God knows where else, probably on Mans. It is what you just said. You take the left tackle, uh, a premium spot that they haven't been able to fill for a while, or do you take the wide, you know, the great, the great wide receiver? I, most years, 
I think you'd have to say, well, the tackle is rarer, right? He's the rarer player. But what about this guy? This this wide receiver, it, it, one of the great deep threats in college ball. They need a deep threat. And Joe Burrow is the guy that made him that great deep threat. He's already here. So this is a this is an abnormal year because of that. I think in most years you'd probably have to give the nod to the tackle. I would anyway. Me too. But you know, I think because uh, uh, Chase is a great player, but uh, you're going to get a wide receiver at some point. That's right. You know, that's going to be a very good and, and you're pretty and you're good there now as it is. You're very good there now as it is. Uh, so, uh, but you know, then you have the other questions. Will Sewell be there? And if he's not, what would you do if Sewell's not there? You know, if it was me, Sewell wasn't there, I'd get the heck out of it. Hmm. I'd get the heck out of that pick and uh, go down and uh, maybe get three picks in the top 50. Um, Butch, uh, I'll say this about uh, in terms of the offensive lineman. Burrow is Burrow who can move, Butch. He's not a statue. Right. 32 sacks, 10 games. I mean, that extrapolates to about, you know, 48 sacks. Um, and that's a guy that's got some mobility. So in that regard, Butch, I, I think you got to protect your investment. Um, Butch, if, if, if Sewell's there and they take him, there's some thought that maybe they have to shift him to guard for a year or two. What, what's going on there? I think that remains to be played out, Ira. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's been talked about. There, there are a lot of options there, you know. I think, you know, the downside about it is here's a guy who didn't play last year, and now if you put him – at a spot, you know, that's, that's going to take him out of playing tackle for two years if you put him in guard. Uh, you know, they did – the great thing about when they signed Riley Reef, uh, they signed uh, in free agency, uh, they made him the right tackle, but he, Riley also has the ability to go inside. Yep. So what would it mean? Would it mean that Sewell would be your left tackle and then and, and maybe Jordan Williams would be your right and you switch – you kick Reef inside? Who knows? I mean, there's so many options they have. Uh, but if you get the big fella, that's certainly a good place to start. Butch, this uh, question comes from uh, Buck Nation, so I'm going to ask you directly, and, and nobody knows this player better than you do. What are the Bucks getting, and Brady in particular, and Giovanni Bernard? James White. Wow. Pretty much uh, James White. What a mar- they're also getting a marvelous human being. One of the greatest people I've ever met in the game. Great man. Uh, tremendous in the community. Uh, and and um, not only that, but he's such a reliable guy on the field. He holds the Bengals record. Most consecutive carries without a fumble. That kind that, that stretched from his rookie year to this to this last one. So uh, he's, he's a guy that can uh, – he's very good in the pass game. He's very good protecting the quarterback. Been reading the stuff out of there coming out of Tampa – uh, that's kind of, you know, they need a guy. They, I guess that was not a great point of uh, production for them. Uh, the back out of the backfield. Um, they've got that in Giovanni Bernard. Ironically, you know, Butch, I asked Brady about this the other night. And um, he said that uh, he and James White were very tight. They went to St. Thomas Aquinas, yes. both of them, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. And um, we know what Brady did with James White. So, Butch, I said to him, yeah, they kind of have the same skill set. And, and Brady didn't agree with that necessarily. Uh-huh. He didn't want anybody compared to James White, who he holds in, in such right. high esteem. But it seems to me, Butch, and it's already a heck of an offense, 
all of a sudden third and five, now you got to cover Bernard in the flat. I mean, he adds another dimension. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what the analytics are and Brady obviously played with white. So he knows him probably better than anybody. But uh, every time I looked up, white was making a big play when Brady seemed to need it most. And Gio is that kind of guy. So whether they, I don't know what the skill set is or whatever, but you know, uh, on third down, he'll be glad he's there. We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. And Butchie, you just made in Glendon's day when you mentioned James White and the skill set. Yeah, he's nodding his head and going, hallelujah. He's a not a closet Patriots fan. He's out there. He loves the Patriots, and he loves a James White. So you just made his day. Lives in Tampa or lives in Fort – I mean, sorry, lives in St. Petersburg. Wishes but he was does, he like, but does he like Joe Cap? <laughs> oh, 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 he doesn't remember him, I bet. <laughs> Matt Karen. Matt Karen. Remember that year? Perrin yes, you do. Matt yes, you do. Yeah. Great year. Oh, Ian's got something to say. Go no, I, I was just going to say it might be a little bit before my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing's before our time. <laughs> Nothing is before our time. The so Cincinnati, uh, The Cincinnati Bengals qualified for the play. They won the first AFC Central. They won seven straight. The last one, big over the, new, over the Boston Patriots when they knocked Joe Cap out of the game. Wow. I don't remember that. I do remember that. A little prehistoric history for you, Ian. I do remember those Bengals helmets, though, with Bengals spelled on the side. Those are bad. And and the ones they've got now are a huge upgrade, huge upgrade. Um, Butchie, quick question, simple question for you. So we're looking at the draft here. Who makes the call? Does Mike Brown make the call? Zach Taylor or Joe Burrow? Who makes the call? I don't think it's anything has changed since – Paul Brown stepped in front of the room in 68 and they picked Bob Johnson. Um, it's a consensus deal. Uh, Mike's talking to his head coach. The guy running the draft these days is Duke Tobin. Done a, you know, he's done a, he's done a hell of a job kind of taking over the room and crafting it yep. uh, into the technological realm of things. Um, he's got a big voice. So does Mike. Um, but I think it's, it, this is also interesting too, because, Bengals usually have a big, you know, have a lot of people in their draft room and they can't now this year because of the pandemic. But, you know, there's still, as they learned last year, you can still be heard virtually. You know, you can still be heard through a computer. And I think, you know, whether it's 68 or 2021, Mike's going to take, uh, yeah, Mike's going to go, Mike's going to go consensus, you know, Duke and Mike and Zach, okay. you know, it's a three-pronged thing there and they'll, uh, and they'll go consensus. Well, as Ira is fond of reminding our guests, this is a Hall of Fame-centric show. And so I'm going to ask you a Hall of Fame-centric question. Bengals have one player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Anthony Munoz. And I'm talking about one player who spent the bulk of his career there. When are we getting another one in, Butchie? Well, I hope this year. Uh, you know, you've hit on a subject that's become very big here in the last, I'm going to say four or five months, it's caught some fire when Willie Anderson mm-hmm. uh, uh, became a semifinalist for the first time in his career. Uh, the, the, the Bengals have come up with a ring of honor in the last month that they introduced. Um, the, the, the Bengals fans are very hot on this. Only one, only one player uh, from, from this team. And it's really, uh, you know, it's a travesty. I mean, it's, a, it's a, and we know the reasons, Clark and I. Uh, Ira, we know we sit on the committee. If you don't, if you don't win a Super Bowl uh, and you don't play offense, you know you're in trouble. 
and if you're in a small market, uh, uh, you know, you're in trouble. But, uh, you know, I think the thing that uh, drives his fan base too, uh, Ken Riley um, was not uh, was not mentioned in the list of, uh, I think, uh, the league during the Super Bowl. Oh, honored, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Honored, honored players who had passed away. And Ken Riley was not on the list. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, that, that that's, that's bothered some folks. You know, Ken Riley is very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Ken Anderson is very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, they, they, they pay the price of uh, not being on a Super Bowl champion. Uh, you but, can take that up with Ira because Ira is on that scene. Yeah, he knows. I think Ira is a big, big uh, he's a big supporter of uh, Riley and Anderson, of which I appreciate um, he knows the impact of Ken Riley down in Florida. Uh, here's a guy who was not only played in Florida and he coached and was the athletic director. Here's a guy. Here's a guy who never played corner. He was a quarterback. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the country when he was at A&M and uh, had a great showdown actually with James Harris that they write books about. Stepped on in the field at, 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 in Wilmington College and uh, Paul Brown said, you're a cornerback. Gets... 15 years later, 65 interceptions, only four men have more. Mm-hmm. Amazing story. Butch, Butch uh, I'm going to make your day here because um, Bruce Arians had a uh, charity uh, event the other night, and I, I went, and, and Tom Moore was there. Tom mm-hmm. Moore, he's 82 years old. Butch. Yep. He's been around, and Clark knows Tom Moore. and yep. He's been in the NFL since 77. He, he's yep. seen it all. He's yep. seen it all, Butch. And I went up to him, and he knows that I'm the uh, Tampa, you know, Hall of Fame representative because we talked about John Lynch. He was a big Lynch guy, and so I me- I mentioned Ken Anderson. I thought I was going to have to hold up Tom Moore. He almost fell down. Yeah. He said, "How this guy is not in Canton is absolutely bewildering. He could make every throw. The guy was fantastic. One of the most underappreciated players, uh, Butch." Give, give me give me a short case for Ken Anderson. Four NFL passing titles. Every man who has won at least three is in. Uh, one back-to-back passing titles in two different decades when they were two different games. 74-75, Smash Mouth League. 81-82, they were just taken off. Uh, the league was just taken off offensively. The only man to win a game on two different planets. Remember, he won the freezer poll, outdueling Dan Fouts, a Hall of Famer. Uh, They're still thawing out from that in San Diego, you know. He's also, when he retired after 1986, he was the all-time leader in completion percentage for a game, completion percentage for a season, and uh, completion percentage for a postseason career. Obviously, those records have been... Have been, have been have been eclipsed by one, you know, Dee Breeze, but Kenny was, uh, I think he and Sammy Baugh were the first 70% passers before Breeze, and uh, Kenny was the only guy to do it since the merger before Breeze. And, uh, you know, uh, I could go I could go on and on, but it's, uh, and he was not a dinker and ducker, as I like to say, you know, that, that, that seems to be one knock on him, but I don't understand it. He's got the same yards per attempt as Dan Marino. Butch, um, Butch, the elephant in the room, and you, you're well aware of it, w- with Ken Riley, with the 65 picks. Uh, Butch, I did my research. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in the years they played together, Parrish and Riley, Lamar Parrish. Mm-hmm. Parrish had six Pro Bowls, Butch, as a Bengal. Yeah. Ken Riley did not. What was going on there? Well, first of all, we know what a fraud Pro Bowl voting is, and that has been a uh, – and I'm not saying that Lamar didn't deserve it. He certainly deserved it. A lot of it was because – some of it. I don't know. I wasn't around that, but he was a big-time punt returner and kick returner. Very flashy guy. Um, you know, Kenny was the opposite. Kenny was – you know, went up, went, went about his business quietly. Lamar was like Chad Johnson, you know, before – before Chad Johnson, he was like Dion, I should say. He was like Dion before Dion. Lamar should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Eight Pro Bowls, if you count, is two in Washington. And I believe uh, everybody who's got, I, I think he's got the most Pro Bowls of any corner who's not in. But Ken Riley, um, you know, he, I don't think he got the recognition because A, he was playing opposite. Uh, Lamar, and he, you know, and he had a, uh, he had a different, I mean, he didn't win a Super Bowl. I mean, he's got more, inter- you know, he's got more interceptions than Mel Blanc, you know, he didn't, but he didn't go to the, he didn't go to the big game. And uh, as those Steelers will remind you, and, uh, but that shouldn't disqualify him. I mean, you know, we taught, we're always, how many times when we, when we're matching up a game, do we say, well, it's, you know, going to come down to the turnovers. Here you got the, the guy with the fifth most turnovers of all time. How many games did he impact? Now, why he didn't make it to a Pro Bowl, Ira, I, you know, it's the same reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. I think it's because he played next to a guy who he played opposite a guy who, you know, was a, a much flashier player and uh, didn't win a, and didn't win a Super Bowl and played defense. But both guys, I mean, who goes in first? Kenny Anderson, Ken Riley, Lamar Parrish? That's kind of above my pay grade. But all three guys, I can't imagine seniors having a better argument than those three guys. We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com and Butchie, it's not above your pay grade on this show. <laughs> you get a choice of one guy to put in, Ken Anderson, Lamar Parrish, Ken Riley. I'm going to say I'm going to give you a pass this year. Which one are you choosing? I can't. I can't. I can't. How could I? How because could I choose one? Too, that's why. <laughs> It's a, that, and that, that might be one of the reasons they're not in. But uh, <laughs> you can't, like I said, all three guys. I mean, thank God we're having the discussion. You know, I yeah, mean, I think right. uh, this is what you guys talk about all the time. At least get them in the room and talk about it. Yeah. You know, and this is what the senior committee has done for. It's like Ira, Ira made a great point. You know, how did, how did Riley not at least get the one global? But I think that's why the senior committee exists, to write, to write those wrongs. That's right. That's right. And, and that is the elephant in the room, as Ira mentioned. Um, uh, an elephant in this room for us is first ballot mania, Butchie. And I'm going to ask you about that because we do uh, pose that question to Hall of Fame voters that come on here. Ten of the past 20 modern era finalists have been first ballot Hall of Famers, which means obviously half of the class. Where do you stand on that? Um, first ballot mania. Uh, we think it's out of control. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, I... I uh... The more I, you know, obviously the longer I'm on the committee, the more I can, I, I really uh, see where there's not a hell of a lot of difference to these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're talking about, uh, you know, so if there's a guy I've been waiting, I think you ought to get, uh, you know, if it's not a guy 
it's almost in my mind now, it's reached the point where if you can't stand up and say, gentlemen, I gave you Brett Favre. Right. Gentlemen, I give you Peyton Manning. If you've got to say one more paragraph to get the guy in, you probably ought to wait. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't probably, agree more. You probably ought to wait for a Willie Anderson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's so there are so many great players who deserve to be in, and they're so close that they should be examined. Yeah, and you know, I know I've talked about this, but we felt that way this year with Calvin Johnson, certainly Hall of Fame worthy going into Canton. Right. Why do we need to put him in the first year when we have a guy such as Clay Matthews, who's in his 20th and last right. year? That's right. And his first year as a finalist, if he doesn't get in now, he disappears right. into the senior category. And of course, we know that's what happened. That's exactly right. No, I mean, that's 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 the point. That's the great. And, and, and after seeing, as the great Ron Borges calls it, the uh, and I'm not sure who, who takes the uh, credit for the uh, the abyss calling a senior committee <laughs> and, you put, credit, yeah. and you can put any adjective you want, any bad adjective in front of this. But once you get into that senior committee, you know, that, that's, that is really, really tough. Like, you know, like you guys say, like I, you know, at the end of that senior committee meeting, you know, there are a hall of famous strewn across the floor. Mm-hmm. All 20 of those guys that make the discussion should be in, you know, that's how that's, I mean, as tough as it is to make the modern thing. Right. To make the senior thing, you know, whatever you can do to prevent a guy from going into the senior committee, you know, I mean, that's a, you know, that's going into a lifeboat on the Titanic. Don't let him do it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Do what you do what you can. And I, and I, you know, Calvin was a Calvin's a great player, man, and he and, and he ought to be in, you know, and uh, and he'll and he'll get in. But uh, you know, like I say, I, I the more and more I'm on this thing. Um, and it's tough because Calvin, see, to me, Calvin was a tough case because Calvin is a, uh, uh, to me, Calvin is a, is a legitimate guy. You got to get, you know, you got to get in there. Now, is he a, I mean, in the realm of a Peyton Manning or Brett Favre? No, probably. But I still think he's a guy that, you know, just looking at all the list of the guys that we were looking at. Yeah, he's going in. Yeah, I don't but think again, we disagree. We don't disagree with that, but he's got 20 years of eligibility. Right, that's right. And, and, and Clay Matthews had one. That, that's that right. No, that's Butch, right. And, 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 and let's get a guy like Willie Anderson in the room. Exactly. Exactly. Butch, I got two more quick ones. And um, uh, thanks so much for uh, for your time, Butch. One, the defensive side of the ball, Butch, for the uh, 2021 Bengals. Um, look, Butch, you, they didn't have much of a pass rush with Carl Lawson. Now Carl Lawson's with Jets. I know uh, Cincinnati signed Trey Hendrickson. So, Butch, can they can they put any pressure on the the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world going forward? Hey, look, say what you want about Hendrickson, thirteen and a half sacks is thirteen and a half sacks, and I understand he was playing with a lead in the Warriors. I understand that he had three very good players around him, three and four very good players around him, and Carl basically only had himself. I get that, but thirteen and a half sacks is thirteen and a half sacks. Only one guy ever got that in Cincinnati history. I'll take that. Okay, that they didn't have last year. They signed Mike Hilton, the best, the best slot corner in the league, and the best, the best blitzing slot corner in the league. I mean, the guy, the guy, uh, I think he's got nine and a half career sacks. Obviously, he's going to bring pressure. They got uh, the kid they signed from Cleveland, uh, and I'm going to follow his name up. I'm sorry, Ojanobi, the defensive tackle, the three technique. 14 and a half career sacks for the first time in his career. 
he's going to be playing where he really should be playing. Three technique. They're going to be better there. Uh, probably get an edge guy in the draft. Uh, I, I, I mean, they're not going to finish last in the sacks again. Are they going to be a, are, are they going to be a top half of the team? I don't know, but I know this, they're going to be a hell of a lot better than they were last year with the additions of Hendrickson, Hilton, and Larry O. Uh, last one for me, Butch. Um, and a guy that you became very close to, and I think you have a great deal of respect for. What is the future for Marvin Lewis? Butch, does he want to get back into it? And why isn't he back into it? Yeah, I don't know. Why he is not back into it, I have no idea. Uh, you keep hearing this stuff about uh, culture. You know, this is a big thing now with team building and culture. Nobody did a Nobody in this century did a better job of that than Marvin Lewis. He brought the Cincinnati Bengals uh, into the into the 21st century uh, with culture and forming uh, and, 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 and uh, getting this getting a franchise turned around. To me, if you're looking for a franchise to turn around, uh, Marvin Lewis is your guy. Why, you know, the only thing I can think of is its age. You know, but I think, but that's ridiculous. I mean, look at the guy. Uh, Bruce Arians just won a just won a Super Bowl. He, he can clearly, he can seems like he can coach forever. I mean, you know. So I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why, and I and, and I'm sure he wants to get back into it. He was he was he was on the interview circuit last year, and uh, I, I I really think the guy would be a uh, um, like I say, if you're looking to get if you're looking to get a situation squared away. He's, he, you'll find none better than Marty. Uh, the reputation, Butch, the reputation of the Bengals, maybe uh, especially on defense, being renegades under Marvin Lewis. Is, is that fair, Butch? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, uh, you know, I think what people are people are thinking about is that wild card game with Pittsburgh, you know, and they're thinking about perfect and they're thinking about Adam Jones, but what people, you know. The lose, you know, who's the guy who said, and I forget who it was, the winners get the right history, right? Well, also in that game, you know, Joey Porter very easily could have got that should have, you know, very Joey Porter very easily could have been could have been flagged. Mike Munchak, the uh, the offensive line coach for the Steelers, pulled the guy pulled the pulled the hair of uh, uh, Bengals safety Reggie Nelson. So what if the Bengals if the Bengals win that game? Who are the Renegades? You know, so I think it's all, you know, I think it's all perception. I think Marvin uh, proved that guys like Adam Jones and Burford with second chances, they were able to, uh, they were able to turn their lives around and their careers around. And you're looking at a defense that was, you know, spanning Zimmer, Paul Gunther with Marvin taking over at the end, you know, top, top defenses that, that, that got teams in the playoffs. So, the whole renegade thing, I think, is uh, you know, if Jeremy Hill holds onto the ball, what would what, what would we be saying? You know, so I I just think I don't know, Ira. I just don't think uh, I just don't think that's fair. There's a you know, I mean, some guys would say renegade, some guys would hate. It gives guys a second chance. That's the way I see it. Ira, sounds to me like we've got a future guest on this program. Let's track down Marvin Lewis. I mean that. Um, great, answer, great answer by Butch. Great answer. Well, Butch, I, here's, I, I've got one more for you, and it'll be a great answer, too. It's a self-serving question, and it's designed for Mr. Ian Glendon, our producer. Would you do me a favor 
and recount the story. We're up against time here, but recount the story of when I think you were a reporter in Portland, Maine, and there was a hockey player, not just any hockey player, but the greatest hockey player of all time in the building. And I'll leave it at that, and you take the story away. Thanks, Claxon. I was a sports columnist at the Portland Press Herald, uh, hometown paper of the Maine Mariners, the AAA, uh, the American Hockey League, uh, the American Hockey League affiliate of the Boston Bruins. And uh, Mike Milbury was coaching the club. He told our beat reporter, Paula Bramwitz, uh, Milbury knew, always knew I was looking for a good story, good column. He said, tell Hobson to be here tomorrow at uh, about 11.15. I'll meet him right out here. And they were at the Portland Ice Rink at that time because the circus was at the Civic Center uh, tied up. So I went, I showed, I dutifully showed up uh, with my notebook in hand, wondering what Mike had in mind. And uh, he came out at about, I was there for a couple of minutes. He came out. Didn't say anything, didn't say what he just said, cocked his head, said, follow me. I'm following Mike around. Uh, you know, the uh, Portland Ice Arena was an ice rink. It was all these little rooms and stuff, of these little locker rooms. And we finally get to, get to a locker room. He opens the door and he says, you got 10 minutes with him. We're skating at 11.30. I walked in and on the bench was Robert Gordon Orr, uh, Tying up his uh, tying up his skates, lacing up his skates, and uh, that was a pretty good ten minutes. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't I'm blame still, you. I'm he, still numb. You're in the presence of NHL royalty there. Holy uh, smokes, Robert Gordon. I mean, the guys. Uh, you drive around the Wingland, and every time you see an ice rink, that's right. That's the house the child Bobby built. Yeah. You had the same reaction when you met Ira for the first time, didn't you? That's, a, that's exactly right. Because it was probably, I was, he was probably standing next to Warren Sapp. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but is, is Orr number one on, on, the, on the New England Mount Rushmore? Is he number one? Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. There's a, uh, that's a hell of a question. It's, uh, you know, Ted Williams has got to be on air, doesn't he? I mean, Williams, Orr, I mean, my God. I don't, Russell, know be, I don't know Russell. who would be number one. About Bill Russell, too. Yeah, Bill Russell. Oh, yeah. Russell. Russell. Big I mean, poppy. I mean, does, does Brady qualify, even though he's, you know, New England? But does he qualify? I, I Well, you've got Russell. Russell's got to be on. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Orr's got to be on. You remember what Larry Bird said, though? When, you remember when he was looking up in the rafters when yeah. they, before every game? Looking at Bobby Orr's number. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Theodore Samuel Williams has to be. On. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's three guys. Yeah. That have to be there. Yeah. And I got. And then, and then, then you got Borges. Then you got Borges. <laughs> you got Borges. Or Belichick. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, Bill. I mean, what about Bill and Red Arbat? Oh, and, and, oh, and, you know. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. That's a Tito. tough one. Well, Jeff Hobson, thanks so much for the time, and I'll tell you what. We'll try our best to get you your size in Bengals jerseys. And maybe we'll try to get your number retired in Boston as well. Unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit bigger than it was when I met <laughs> Robin Gordon-Norrell. Thanks everybody. so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Great talking to you. Good talking to you. That was Hall of Fame voter Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. And Ian, who are you putting at the top of the Boston sports list? It's it's tough. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you have to start with Mount Rushmore because there's so many names that were just listed that <clears throat> how do you you know, how do you get rid of them? How do you uh, forget Ted Williams? How do you forget Bobby Orr? How do you forget? You know, I mean, I think Tom Brady does go up there, but 
again, we're talking about six guys that pretty much make up a very rich history of professional sports in New England. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But Ian, I didn't ask you for six. I asked you for one. <laughs> I am going to go because I, ha- I have the most experience watching him. I'll go with Tom just because of uh, the, the sheer number of championships brought to this region um, in such a short period of time. But uh, I, I met Bobby Orr at HQ Home Headquarters. This is how long ago it was. So we're talking mid-90s maybe, and I uh, had him sign my goalie stick. So I, I yeah, 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 it's the only thing I had. It was the only thing I had. He was doing a signing. I had to do it. I have it somewhere in storage. I'll have to, I'll have to dig it out, but it does exist. All right, who do you have there? I know you didn't live in Boston. Well, you, first of all, Clark, I'll say this. When Larry Bird's not a factor in, in your Mount Rushmore, yeah. that, that's a hell of a Mount Rushmore. That's a hell of a Mount Rushmore, um, you're right. You know, look, or revolutionize the game, but Clark, I, I think I got to go with Russell. Yeah. And I was a 76er fan, but 11 out of 13 years, Clark, the, the, beat it. can't beat it. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. No, you can't beat it. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm torn between uh, Russell and, and Orr, and, but in the, if it comes down to photo finish, I, I probably am going Orr only because I've never seen anyone dominate his sport as he did. And people said Michael Jordan basketball. No. Bobby Orr completely dominated hockey, and he's he's still regarded as a god in Canada. Anyway, um, Ira, one other thing. Um, tomorrow's Earth Day. What are you doing to promote it? What are you doing around the household, the Kaufman household, promote Earth Day? I'm going to Burn Steakhouse. I'm chowing down on a 28-ounce uh, porterhouse. Oh, nice. Okay. How about you, Ian? Working tire- tirelessly like I do every single day. We're composting here in Connecticut. Okay, well, I'm going to check in with both of you tomorrow to see if you've made any progress in those regards. Uh, That's going to do it for today, but check in with us Wednesday to hear a former GM give you the lowdown on his take on the draft and how to run it. That's coming up tomorrow on the iTest for Two podcast. Thanks for listening.